Today we're chatting with Claire, who is uh, Vice President at Optimizely. For those who might know, Optimizely is the world's leading experimentation platform. Is that right? Yeah. And uh, welcome, Claire. How are you doing today? I am very good. Great. Claire, uh, maybe you can just take 30 seconds to introduce yourself. Yes. So as you said, I'm Claire Vo. I'm the VP of product at Optimizely. We are the world's best and greatest experimentation platform. So we help enterprises stop guessing and start knowing what works across their marketing and product. Uh, I run all of Optimizely's product strategy, product development, as well as our product design team. Claire, actually not so long time ago, a year and a half, your company, Experiment and Engine, was acquired by Optimizely. How did your roles change and what is different in the responsibilities that you have right now? Yeah, so I was CEO and co-founder of Experiment Engine. I ran that company just about three years to the dot. Um, so I, as CEO of Experiment Engine, was really responsible not just for product strategy, for, but for the entire company. So fundraising, hiring, sales, customer success, everything was my responsibility as the CEO of Experiment Engine. Optimizely acquired that company in April of 2017, and I came on to run Optimizely's product organization. So. I had to give up a little bit of the work that I did as a CEO. I actually have my team now uh, from Experiment Engine now all reports to other functions inside of Optimizely. I focus most of my time on my product management and design teams and product strategy. That being said, because of my background as a CEO, I've been able to continue to have more of an end-to-end -end business impact at Optimizely and have been really excited about our ability to um, to continue to give me exposure to the things that I think are interesting, which is not just product management, but is also everything across the business. Actually, while looking through your LinkedIn profile, I've noticed that you've got amazing career growth within a short time and you get great reviews also on LinkedIn and people praise your virtues and talents. Personally to you, what helped you to achieve those amazing results where, where you are right now? Yeah, so I would say the thing that uh, was most, created the most change in my career and allowed me to grow was I asked for growth. I didn't wait for somebody to give it to me, I took it. So when I saw that I had the opportunity to have a larger impact on an organization, when I knew I could take on more responsibility, when I knew I was ready to manage people, when I knew I was ready to manage a lot of people, when I was ready to start a business, I didn't wait for somebody to tell me, now is the time, we're going to give you this promotion, we're going to, I really think you should start a company, I think you should do this stuff. I didn't wait for somebody to tell me that. I went ahead and created those opportunities for myself. And you know, it might've been easier if people had really, um, proactively provided me those opportunities. But I think as any um, someone, any person going through their career, particularly women going through their career, being more proactive yourself, uh, asking slash demanding for more responsibility, uh, more scope, more impact is something that is really helpful to do when you're trying to grow your career. Yeah, that's true. And actually, I have some statistics here that show that 57% of men after graduating from college, they ask for, they actually negotiate for better salaries 
and better conditions, while only 7% of women do the same. Uh, so do you think that women systematically kind of underestimate their own abilities and they don't want to negotiate for a better workplace and better conditions? I certainly don't think it's a flaw in women. A lot of times um, this will, this, these sort of statistics will be positioned as, oh, women should be more aggressive, women should be uh, more assertive. In fact, the research has shown that women that do negotiate for higher money, more um, control, bigger roles are actually punished in the workplace. So you're really in a tough spot as a woman trying to grow your career. You can kind of make the choice between um, negotiating, not being liked, and then being sort of um, pushed down in your career because you're seen as too aggressive, or you can not negotiate, be really well-liked, um, but not see the career growth that your male peers would see. So I would say it's, it's absolutely a tricky balance, but on the whole, I think women would be better served to negotiate. Now, I think they would see better results if we had more women in leadership that were the recipients of that negotiation, um, because I think the bias would be less there. But yeah, it, it's, it's absolutely tricky. It's something that's really hard to manage. And um, as women, I don't think it's wholly our responsibility to correct for the biases against us. I do think, though, we have to live in the world we live in. And that means doing things that might make us uncomfortable or not well-liked, like negotiating. What about finding the balance between being a mother, for example, and being a leader? I actually heard a really interesting opinion um, the other day that um, women actually are blocking themselves psychologically to look for promotion once they start thinking about creating family because they think, okay, I'll get pregnant, they'll have to stay so home with my kid. There is no point of actually looking for promotion because I'm leaving anyways. So how was it in your case? Uh, it was not that. I worked through being in labor. So I was working while I was in labor. I worked to the second um, I had my kid. Uh, that was different for me because I was running a company And so I had a lot of responsibilities. We, I, it wasn't, you can't really take leave the same way that you can with a, um, with a company that's not yours. Now, that being said, even though we were a really small startup, we had good uh, maternal leave policies for, uh, for non-CEO. But when you're the CEO and you're trying to do a whole bunch of stuff, um, then it's harder to take leave. So I certainly did not take my foot off the gas when it came to my career in being pregnant. I continued to work really hard. I continued to negotiate um, this acquisition that was in flight when I was seven, eight, nine months pregnant. Um, but what I would say is even more than women kind of um, blocking themselves from promotions, I think they get blocked. So I would say that organizations leaders tend to view women of childbearing age as risks. Uh, whether they're meaning it in a nice way or meaning it in a mean way, they get blocked from opportunities. So you either get, oh, you know, she's got a six-month-old, she's super busy, like I don't want to overwhelm her, um, so like let's give him this project, you get that version, or you get um, she's obsessed with her kid and she doesn't have any time for work. So why would we give her work when she's not going to be around? Like you get stuck in between those two things. Um, I think that is more of a 
organizational and societal issue than it is an issue with women themselves. Every woman that I know that has had a baby has been extremely ambitious, has been um, completely dedicated to their career, extremely excited to return to their career after an appropriate amount of leave, but also not really well supported in the transition back to work. And so I think there are a lot of issues at play, um, the least of which is women's own ambitions. And how do you personally, as a leader of a team, invest in the talents of your female employees? Yeah, so um, I am very much a, I try to be at least an ally to the sisterhood. So I try very hard to mentor and promote women around me. I just, you know, I didn't, I didn't, in my career, I haven't had a lot of women as my peers. I haven't had a lot of women as my mentors and anything I can do to promote the talents of women I try to do. So there's big and small things for more junior women, just pushing them to see their own abilities, pushing them to brag a little bit more, pushing them to not take the half step, but the whole step, not the, oh, I just want a little more recognition, but no, I want the promotion and giving them the confidence that I'm at least supportive of those bigger moves is really important. In terms of my peers, so there are uh, several VP women at Optimizely, or at least a few, and in terms of my peers, I really make sure that we are really well aligned, that we have each other's backs, that in meetings, oftentimes there's only one of us in a meeting, um, in those meetings that we are um, making sure to promote the work and speak well of each other's teams. And so we're seen as aligned, we're seen as effective, and that senior female leadership in the organization is not seen as this, I think there's this myth that women that are become leaders get really catty and like fight with each other for power. And I hate that so much, I hate it so much. I hate that, um, that there's that perception out there. I hate that people try to push women into those conflicts that I don't think are actually natural. And so I've tried very hard to truly align myself with other women leaders in a way that feels not competitive and really feels um, collaborative and like we're all partners because it's really, it's, it's hard enough being a woman in technology. It's even harder when you feel like you have to fight with everyone. You can be the only woman in technology. And so I think it's super important to show to both junior people and to the leadership team that women play nicely together and they get stuff done and there's no problem um, having a lot of female leaders at the top of the company. And by the way, I know that, you know, even though there is still a tendency, uh, a positive tendency of hiring more women for the product roles, a lot of girls that whom I talked to recently, they actually were complaining, though, that they are still ending up being the only women in the room with the same age men, you know, in their 40s, with the same opinion, staring at them and like, you know, pushing them against the wall. Men do have the power to bring the change. So how do you motivate them, first of all, to fight for these equal rights? Yeah, so I'll say I'm the, I'm one of three women on my team. Uh, I haven't done a, a lot of hiring since I joined Optimizely, so I actually inherited a team that largely skewed male. Um, so that's been a challenge that I faced, and it was actually a concern when I did the acquisition. As I said, you know, look, I don't, I don't want to go from running my own female-led company to an organization where I'm the only woman in the product organization. And 
Optimizely really has a high commitment to diversity and inclusion. They have a diversity inclusion group. It's a top level executive priority to make sure that we have female leaders and that we have um, good diversity in our customer base. And the way that I try to have this conversation with, let's just say men as a group, is it is just better for business to have diversity. It's better for the quality of our products to have diversity. And the specific reason why that is so is our team should reflect the diversity of our customers. And so if our customers are using our products and our customers are male and female of all colors, of different verticals, of everything, we should have people that are building those products that come from those backgrounds because they bring a new point of view, they bring a specific point of view, um, and they're able to empathize with customers in a way a more homogenous organization could not. And so for me, it is, yes, it's a matter of principle. As a feminist, as somebody who really believes in equality, yes, I want more women on the team. But as a practical business person, it is bad for business to not have your team reflect your customer base. And so the closer we can get to reflecting the, the diversity of our customer base, the better our products are going to be. I've noticed that you have a three-month experience of uh, being a product management instructor in Hong Kong. Uh, and my question is simply, what were the challenges that women face there in product professions? Yeah, so I uh, taught product management for General Assembly at their Hong Kong campus in 2013. Um, and I've mentored quite a few junior product managers into the role. I think there's a couple challenges for um, women entering product. One is that product tends to be very tightly aligned with engineering in most organizations. And um, engineering organizations, depends on the company, but have historically not had large proportions of women. And so it's really challenging to be the only woman in product. It's really challenging to be the only woman in engineering. And so just because of the composition of those teams, it can be difficult to have networks in those teams to actually get the introductions. It can be difficult to interview um, on those teams. And it can be really difficult to integrate because you're not quite like everybody else. And so I think there is that challenge simply because product is, is really tightly aligned with, um, with engineering. I think the other thing is we just see very few female product leaders. And so the organizations that I've seen change the most and have the most uh, diversity in their employee base in terms of product are ones where female leaders are brought in and they make the commitment to diversify. It's actually not that hard to do if you care about it. And so um, I would love to see more female product leaders in, at the VP level or at least at the hiring manager level that have a commitment to more diverse teams because then um, that that's what makes a change. So I think that I think those are the two things. I think it's really hard in a team that's historically been um, mostly male to diversify and be the first. And then I think we don't see a lot of female leaders. And so um, it's just the leadership has to be committed to it in a way where they really make it a priority. And I've, I've seen female leaders do that more than others. Do you see any difference of reporting to a female manager or male manager? I have never in my life had a female manager. But I will tell you, I have been the first female manager for many people. So I'm, I'm helping that way. But yeah, I've, I've actually never worked for um, a female leader. And it's actually 
gets harder as you become VP level and higher, because then you're essentially trying to find female CEOs to work for. And there are very few of those. So, um, yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. I don't know the difference. I think it's pretty great. Uh, do you remember the hardest product that you had to manage? And why, why was it the hardest one? Uh, the hardest product I had to manage was the one that I built at my company. Um, so Experiment Engine was my company. It was also my product. It is a product that helps teams manage experimentation at scale. So if you're a very large organization and you want to run tens of thousands of experiments, it's, it's SaaS software to help you do that. That's what the idea was. That was the difficult, most difficult one to manage. Um, one, because as the CEO, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pressure from the sales side, side of things, not just from the product side of things. And then as an early stage startup, you don't have years and years to figure out the right thing. And you're in fact starting from scratch. So um, the pressure is really hard and then the timeline is very compressed. And so you have to be ruthless with prioritization. You make mistakes and they feel very expensive because you have limited capital and you just, you have um, a small number of customers to validate your ideas off of. And because it's your own company, you have to get out of your own emotional space about your product and what you think it should be and really build what your customers want. And so I would say that is the most educational and challenging product that I've built in my life um, because I, I felt a deep sense of responsibility around that product and um, and it was a new market. So that's always, it's always challenging. It's much easier to work on a product that already exists that you're just trying to make better than a, a completely new thing that you're bringing to the market. And what about managing personal and professional life? Because having a family and the kid is already a product on its own. So how do you manage with that? Um, so I, uh, that's a really, really great question. And I think that's a question um, that I get asked a lot. And some women say, oh, I'll never answer that question because a man doesn't get answered or asked that question. And so it's highly offensive. And from my perspective, I actually think men and women need to hear this answer from executives across the board. And I think they need to hear this answer in a truthful way. So balancing life, uh, uh, executive career with a child is exceptionally hard and expensive and even more challenging. And I think this impacts women executives more than it does men. We are a two career household. So my husband also has a senior leadership position as do I, and we have a kid that we like spending time with. And so, uh, I think there's, there's a couple of things you have to do. You have to draw very hard boundaries around your life and your job and what you will do and won't do. Um, I will not travel sometimes. I cannot do meetings earlier than 8.30 in the morning like this one um, because I have to get my kid to school. Like there are just some things that I will not do, will not move. Um, a good example of that is I was in a board meeting and I made it very clear I am walking out of the door of this board meeting at five o'clock on the dot. I don't care if any of our investors are still talking. I don't care if there are questions I have to answer. I have to leave at five o'clock because no one else can pick up my child. Um, you have to do that and you have to be very straightforward and unapologetic about that because otherwise you will crumble under the pressures from both home and at work. The other thing is we pay a lot for our, our daycare. We pay somebody to help us with stuff around the house. Like you just have, we have to outsource a lot of stuff um, because after a full day of work coming home, I want to spend time with my kid. I don't want to do my laundry and I have to make that choice of, 
like, do I spend the money or do I do it? Like, it's just, it's really hard. So you have to, out, I, I know many um, women outsource a lot of stuff, particularly when they're part of two household family. And then I have a really great partner. So he and I are truly partners. We share all the work in the house. It um, ebbs and flows depending on what's happening with our work. But I am not the only parent. The mom is not the only parent in this house. My husband is a excellent father, an excellent partner, and cooks probably 90, 90% of the meals. So um, you, you have to have a good one, a good partner, if you really want to make it work. At the end of the interviews, we usually ask the girls to give some motivational advice for the ladies who want to, to enter into the profession but uh, simply afraid to do so. So what kind of message would you send to them? Yeah, so I will share advice that was shared with me that I wish all women would hear, and it's really awkward to hear, but I'm gonna say it, which is be more entitled. Be like those guys coming out of college that say, I don't want this entry-level job, I want this big job, and I think I should be paid for it. Like, because what I will find is that women just so dramatically underplay their own abilities and wait for permission to enter a field, wait till they check off 110% of the requirements before asking 90% of the responsibility. And someone once told me like, Claire, be more entitled. You are incredibly talented. You are capable and you will never ask for more than you're worth, even if you try to. So um, just really show up with a, a bigger sense of confidence and that you deserve your success because there are boys out there that certainly think they deserve their success and that's who you're in competition with. So um, now be nice and certainly be nice to the other women in your life because they will help you through a lot. But um, I think having a sense of entitlement is kind of an annoying word, but it's the right one of I, I deserve this is, is really important. And the last question, if uh, someone wants to connect you on LinkedIn or send you an email, how can we find you out there? Yeah. So I'm on LinkedIn um, as Claire Vo. I'm also on Twitter as Claire Vo, C-L-A-I-R-E-V-O. And then you can reach me at Claire.Vo at optimizely.com. Great. Thank you so much, Claire.